I have pen fed, that's a fact. I have pen fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hi, I'm John Bear, the host and lead researcher for Stories of Sacrifice, American POW-MIA podcast, and the U.S. POW-MIA family locating. A free forensic genealogy public service I provide to support POW-MIA families trying to get their loved one identified and brought home. First, I want to thank you, our listeners, for your interest in the Stories of Sacrifice podcast. Our goal with the podcast is to tell the world about the sacrifice these brave heroes gave for the freedoms we enjoy every day. They gave our country their last full measure. They give us their tomorrow for our freedom today. Second, we would like to raise public awareness that thousands of these heroes from World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and the Cold War have still not yet been found or returned to the United States, with many still buried as unknowns in our own national cemeteries, their families still waiting for our government to disinter and identify them. So what can you do to support this important mission? First, if you are a relative of a missing in action service member, you can visit the Defense POW-MIA Accounting Agency website for more information about providing a family reference DNA sample. If you want more information, you can also contact me at john at USPOWMIAFamilyLocating.com. Even if you're not related to an MIA, you can contact your members of Congress to request they allocate enough funding to support the POWMIA mission and to change the DPAA policy to a DNA lead process and create additional public partnerships to disinter and process the remains for those that are buried as unknown. You can also help us in our mission by sharing these podcast stories with your friends, family, and consider sharing them on your own social media. We would also appreciate if you could leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. You can also visit www.storiesofsacrifice.org and leave us a review there. You can visit our affiliate links on our website where we will earn a small commission on your purchases and no extra cost to you. If you feel moved to do so, please visit our donation links on our website to help us continue this important mission. Just sharing these stories helps us greatly and we cannot thank you enough for listening. Sit back and relax and we hope you enjoy today's show. Welcome to Stories of Sacrifice, World War II, American POW-MIA's podcast. The voice of the missing in action and the voice of those buried as unknowns in our national cemeteries. I'm your host and lead researcher, John Bearer. Over 75,000 service members are still listed as missing in action from World War II. Of those, over 30,000 are currently listed as active pursuit by the Defense POW-MIA Accounting Agency. 
Active pursuit, meaning they could possibly be identified with the proper family reference sample DNA being on file with the Armed Forces DNA Identification Laboratory at Dover Air Force Base in Delaware. The process of donating DNA reference material is easy, painless, and free of charge. If you are the relative of a missing service member, you can contact the Service Casualty Office of the MIA for information on how to provide a DNA sample. The Service Casualty Office will mail mail to your home a DNA donor kit that contains a donor consent form, instruction form, three cheek swabs, and a shipping envelope. All you have to do is fill out the paperwork, rub the inside of your cheek with the swabs, place the swabs back into the containers, and affix the label. The collected samples are then placed in a pre-addressed and prepaid envelope and then mailed to the Armed Forces DNA Identification Lab at Dover. That's it. It's a completely painless process. To get more information about your missing in action relative, you can visit our website, uspowmiafamilylocating.com. And we can help you to determine if your relative is currently listed on the DPAA active pursuit list and the next steps to help get them identified. Just visit our website or email john at uspowmiafamilylocating.com. Welcome to today's Story of Sacrifice, World War II, American POW, MIA's podcast. Over the next few weeks and months, we are bringing you a series of stories researched and written by our friends at the BatanMissing.com website. From casualties to cover-ups at all levels of our government, and newly declassified documents that just might shed some light on a 70-year mystery, with the hope that it may, may bring a few more of our nation's missing in action heroes home. So who was buried in Cheney's grave? A disgraced commander tries to rehabilitate his reputation. Many readers are familiar with First Lieutenant Alexander Sandy, as he was called by his family, Nininger, the first man awarded the Medal of Honor in World War II. Not so many know of his best friend, First Lieutenant Ira Cheney, recipient of the Distinguished Service Cross. Their stories are as intertwined in death as they were in life. What follows is one chapter in a story of a great heroism offset by total bungling and corruption by the U.S. government that continues to this day. In early January 1942, both Nininger and Cheney were assigned to the 57th Infantry Regiment of the Philippine Scouts. At that time, the 57th was assigned to hold the easternmost portion of the main line of resistance on Bataan that ran through the Abake Hacienda on the east coast of the Bataan Peninsula to the adjacent sector held by the 31st Infantry Regiment. The engagements of 11 and 12 January 1942 were costly to the 57th Infantry Regiment, costing the lives of six lieutenants and over 40 enlisted men, including 1st Lieutenant Alexander Ninger, 1st Lieutenant David W. Maynard, 1st Lieutenant Arthur W. Green, 1st Lieutenant John C. Compton, and 1st Lieutenant Kenneth L. Wilson. It was during this time that Ninninger was killed in the engagement that earned him the first Medal of Honor awarded in World War II. These were the very early days of the war, soon after after the Pearl Harbor attack, and things were not going well for America. The country needed a hero, and Sandy Ninninger was the right man for the job. The American public needed a morale boost, and Ninninger received the nation's highest award with even more than just the usual fanfare. 
Unfortunately, the award seems to have consigned his remains to a grave known only to God. In the face of unremitting Japanese assault, the U.S. forces withdrew from the Abake line to the new positions on the night of 24-25 January, leaving no active American forces in the village. Within days, the 57th Regiment deployed to the southwest coast of Bataan to repel a series of Japanese landings known as the Battle of the Points. Assigned to Company B of the 57th Infantry, First Lieutenant Cheney deployed Quinan Point. It was during this engagement on 30, 31 January 1942 that First Lieutenant Cheney was killed, not in the town of Abake. On 7-8 February, when U.S. forces finally retook the area, Captain Eugene Anthony, commander of B Company, visually identified the body of First Lieutenant Cheney. Second Lieutenant Fred Koig, a Graves Registration Officer of the 45th Regiment, told Captain Anthony that the remains would be taken to the U.S. Army Cemetery in Marvialis, roughly 10 miles away on the southern tip of the peninsula. Unfortunately, he did not specify which of the 10 cemeteries in the Marvialis area he planned to take the remains to. This is where things began to go wrong, really badly wrong. After the war, Cheney's family, quite rightfully, wanted his remains returned for burial at his alma mater, the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, New York. They had been told by their son's former, former regimental commander, Colonel Clark, that he had been buried, at, buried in the churchyard at Albuquerque. Colonel Clark, who had been relieved of his command, made it a point to contact the families of several young officers who had perished under his command. The rather self-serving stories he told the families, perhaps in hopes of repairing his sullied reputation or perhaps to comfort the families, got a few details wrong. Clark told the families that their sons had been buried in the Abake churchyard. Unfortunately, Clark was no longer on Bataan when those who died at Abake were buried, and they were actually buried in the Abake Town Cemetery. Just a little detail that was to have huge ramifications. In the case of Lieutenant Ira Cheney, he died more than two weeks after Colonel Clark was relieved of his command and the Abake engagements. At the time of Cheney's death, the town of Abake was held by the enemy, and he could not have been buried anywhere near there. When the U.S. Army failed to provide a reasonable response to the family's inquiries, the Cheney family contacted their congressman, a young Richard M. Nixon, who was making quite a name for himself at the time. Several of the other families of those who had perished at Abake engagements had also spoken with Colonel Clark and demanded answers from the Army and their congressional representatives. The U.S. Army, wanting to please the families and their congressional representatives, quickly exhumed some of the remains from Abake Churchyard, with no other evidence except Clark's description of the location of the grave being 12 steps from the door of the church. The remains were identified as those of Ira Cheney and buried at West Point in the Post Cemetery. The Army, obviously aware of some discrepancies, conducted a fairly, fairly thorough investigation to try to sort things out and determine who they had buried at West Point. Ultimately, they determined that the West Point grave contained the remains not of Cheney, but either Nininger or First Lieutenant David Maynard. That was a problem, as finding Nininger buried in Cheney's grave would make the Army look like a bunch of bungling boobs. So the government decided to do the right thing 
at least it was the right thing for the guilty, they made sure all the witnesses told the official story. They then upgraded the file classification from confidential to secret and hid the file away for the next 60-plus years. Great idea. Bury the report as a defense secret until everybody retires. In 2018, the file documenting the Army's investigation, which was filed under Cheney's name rather than Ninninger, was perhaps accidentally declassified and released to the public. The erroneous information provided by Colonel Clark was to have ramifications reaching far beyond just Ira Cheney's case. Well, this concludes today's part of the series. Be sure to listen to next week's episode for more on this story. Thank you for listening to Stories of Sacrifice, World War II, American, POW, MIAs in the Philippines. This has been a production of the U.S. POW, MIA Family Locating. You can find us on the web at uspowmiafamilylocating.com. Opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and given in the best intention. Overall, the POWMIA accounting community is doing what it can with limited resources. It is our hope additional federal funding will be provided along with additional partnerships established to disinter and process the remains of our own loans located in the national cemeteries. You can help by contacting your congressional representatives and asking that they implement a DNA lead policy for those unknown POW MIAs. Thank you for listening. Addiction is a disease that impacts all of us. Whether you, your neighbor, friend, or family member is struggling, everyone feels the pain of addiction. Recovery Centers of America wants you to know that addiction treatment works and recovery is possible. Call 1-888-RECOVERY-NOW for help for yourself or a loved one. Recovery Centers of America, Capital Region, and Bracebridge Hall have helped thousands of patients in the D.C., Maryland area start a better, healthier way of life through their evidence-based inpatient and outpatient treatment programs. The caring team of physicians and clinicians at RCA see their patients as so much more than their addiction and are deeply committed to providing expert care with heart. Recovery Centers of America knows that every day in active addiction is a day in isolation, which is why they admit new patients 24-7 year-round. Don't wait. Make the call that can change everything. Call 1-888-RECOVERY now. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. When someone first comes in and you see that discouragement on their face, they've tried so many different products, but nothing seemed to work for them. I'm able to take that disappointment and that pain and turn it into hope. You're listening to Mallory, an art support specialist at the Goodfeet store. And they try the art supports. It's a light up moment. You see their face brighten up. They go from feeling discouraged to being happy and hopeful again. For over 25 years, the Goodfeet store and our art support specialist have been helping folks live the life they love without foot, knee, hip, or back pain getting in the way. 
That's why this job is so important. You're helping people, getting back into the activities that they've wanted to do for a long time, doing the things that they love to do with their Good Feet Arch supports. We're able to help them and take them from the pain to the possibilities, and I love it. The Good Feet store is located in Fairfax, Leesburg, Rockville, Baltimore and Hunt Valley, and in Annapolis in the Annapolis Harbor Center. For more information, go to goodfeet.com.